Hey everyone, welcome to the Geek Awakens, where the talk is geekier than naming your fantasy baseball team dugouts and dingers. <laughs> Joining me tonight is Matt. Hello. Tabitha. Hi. And Lydia. Hi. And I'm Mitch. Um, yes, I completely did that. And I felt that was appropriate today since today is the uh, first day of uh, regular season baseball. Um, even though it didn't, wasn't a fantastic end, but still go cards. Um, look at me all you want. I didn't say anything. Yeah, but you had that look about you. You know, it's not my fault you choose to root for the Cardinals. No one made you do that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you chose that. You chose that life. I chose that life. And I'm okay with it. So, uh, speaking of, a couple of quick programming notes. Uh, first one, we're actually, we're not going to have a next an episode next Thursday because I will actually be at the Cardinals home opener. Um, so, that'll be fun. It's a day game, so, like, I could still make it back home in time, but I don't want to take that chance. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, also... C2E2 was last weekend. Uh, normally, we spend a few minutes talking about our experience, uh, but we actually, just before we recorded this episode, we recorded a whole look back at the convention, um, which includes some of our favorite moments, as well as interviews that we conducted. So that's going to be coming out pretty darn soon. Um, I'm not going to tell you when, because, you know, life and such. <laughs> so, Keep you on your toes. Exactly. So Ooh, bonus episode. <laughs> Um, we are going to start tonight um, with Matt because I think this was actually something that might have broken either during C2E2 or right after C2E2. Uh, and it's actually it's a couple things that Apple announced. It is. So Apple, um, they announced two big things. They announced Apple Games and Apple TV Plus as a new streaming service. Um, so it's kind of a quick rundown. Um Apple Arcade Games is actually going to be a subscription service um, called Apple Arcade. It was announced during the Apple uh, event. It is going to give access, a single single subscription, with access to over 100 new and exclusive games, with more to be added. Uh, it's going to be available fall of 2019 in 150 countries and regions. They haven't announced any of the pricing or any of that, that's yet to come. Um, but they did announce some of the games, which are going to be uh, Mistwalker's Fantasian, Beyond a Steel Sky, Sonic Racing, Lego Brawls, Oceanhorn 2, Knights of the Lost Realm, um, and Enter the Construct. So Apple Arcade is going to be uh, new and original games from all sorts of creators and studios, um, including Will Wright, who, uh, if you recognize the name, he was the main name behind SimCity and The Sims. Um, they have got um, Cartoon Network doing something, Lego, Konami, um, Sega. All these are going to have games that are just available to this Apple Games, um, including um, one of the names, uh, Sakaguchi. Uh, who has been part of Final Fantasy? So they're they've got some some exclusive content from some fairly big names for this. Uh, it's going to be on the App Store. You'll be able to download and play any of the games from um, across your iPhone, iPad, Mac, and Apple TV. So you'll be able to pick up wherever you left off on any of those platforms. So that'll be cool if you start on your iPad and then get home and want to play on your Apple TV. You can just pick that up and do that. 
Um, and then the other big thing that they announced is their Apple Plus streaming service, which, you know, it's a new day. So, like this article says, it's a day that ends in Y, so someone announced a new streaming service. Um, but the big thing with Apple TV is that there's going to be two parts to it. It's going to be Apple TV Channels and Apple TV Plus. Now, Apple TV Channels kind of sounds like it's going to be an a la carte kind of cable programming. So, you'll get to choose which channels you subscribe to. Um, again, kind of like with Apple Arcade, there isn't, isn't a whole lot of pricing information or any at this point for it. Um, but then Apple TV is all going to be original content. So, which obviously is the thing, you know, Hulu's got their, their original content, Amazon, Netflix, obviously. So Apple's joining that game with original content. The big name that they have for their exclusive content, Steven Spielberg and Amazing Stories. So, um, we'll see as more details come out as far as, as far as that goes. Um, but you know, Apple joining in the gaming and the, uh, streaming services arena, which the thing, the thing with that, especially with the streaming and I guess also with the game as well, um, Apple's got money. They've got a lot of money. So they're going to get, you know, Steven Spielberg is not going to be the only big name that they get. No. You know, um, it's not going to be the only thing that's that's going to be exclusive to Apple. Uh, <clears throat> so, like, as a non-Apple user, like, I don't know, like, that... That that almost frustrates me to a little bit, a, a little bit more mm-hmm. than even like you know like the Netflix and the Hulu and everything like that. Um, because at least with that a- aspect of it, like if I want to break down and buy Hulu or whatever, you know, subscribe you to Hulu, to it, so. I'm I'm still available to do that, even if I don't want to. With something like Apple and what they're doing, like if I really, really, really am interested in this amazing stories, I then have to. Get Basically Apple, change my life. Get an Apple TV. If nothing else, you have to buy an Apple device to get access to it. Right. So, um, as the other non-Apple user in the room, Lydia, like, especially especially in the, in the gaming aspect, I mean, does that, does that kind of, like, you know, perk your interest at all? I'm kind of the same boat you are. It kind of frustrates me a, a tiny bit because I know if I wanted to do any of this stuff, I would have to have that kind of device I don't have the money to even begin to think about getting one of those, so I'm never going to have access to this yeah. unless I steal my mom's iPad. Right. <laughs> Fair. Fair. So. And that's the other thing, too. Like, you know, and I know we don't know because we don't have the pricing information available yet, but, like, how much is this going to cost? Yeah. yeah. You know? Is it going to be, like, an annual thing or a monthly thing or, you know, or, or whatever? Yeah. But um, Apple wasn't the only thing to announce um, a new venture into gaming. And Matt, we're going to stick with you, and we're going to switch gears and talk about Google. Yep. So, again, you know, days in and why everybody's got a new streaming service. Um, this time it's Google, which had been rumored in the last few weeks or so anyways that this is what Google was going to be talking about um, at their big event. Um, <clears throat> but what they have announced is called Stadia. It is a streaming gaming service. Uh, so they basically what they're what they're calling it is Netflix for games. Uh, there are there was at least I don't know if it's still out there actually, 
another g- streaming gaming service that went live uh, last year, maybe. I'm failing at this horribly. But it was basically any game you that you wanted, you could stream through this service for, you know, said monthly fee. Um, but they... Basically, Google's plan is to let any let you play on any connected device, any game. Uh, so you can play. The examples that they give in the article are Devil May Cry Five on your iPhone, or uh, Apex Legends on a Mac. So things that you might not necessarily be able to do right now because of that cross content, like. Apple is doing with Apple games. Mm-hmm. They, a couple of the big things for them though about this are the specs behind what they're quoting going to be able to do. They're saying to be able to stream in 4K, 60 frames a second, with HDR color at launch. That's promising an awful lot. It is. <laughs> I mean, it's Google. It's it, true. So, Obviously, there is some concern based on bandwidth requirements mm-hmm. and what, you know, if if Joe Schmo with, I mean, nobody has dial-up anymore, but, you know, you have your, I mean, maybe people do, I don't know. Um, yeah? Back home? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, I mean, depending on your internet speed... And that's part of this is that they are basically they're basically starting at the high end and saying that depending dependent upon your internet speed, the games will instead of um, upscale, they will downscale to match your internet connection speed, which is kind of interesting because usually the way that these kinds of systems are done, Netflix, whatever, I mean, even, you know, TV shows, they start with a base, and mm-hmm. if your speed is better, you get better resolution automatically. This is going the other other direction, which is kind of mind-blowing that they would kind of build the system that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I mean, let's face it, Google's not ever really one that has, um, you know, done anything... You know, the same way that everybody else does. Right. So, um... Oh, no. Where'd it go? <laughs> well, while you're looking for that, um, <laughs> that's kind of like what I touched on. I mean, that's... Google is promising a lot. And yes, if... I, I think that Google can do it. But it's going to be very interesting um, to see. And, and I know for me, if... Um, as a consumer, it would make me want to not be like one of the the first people to try it out i would definitely want to be let somebody else check it out let them deal with all the bugs and everything and then i'll get into it Mm. you know so um they are hoping that part of what will be beneficial to google uh, is their expansive and robust cloud network that they already have set up across the country which will allow people to you'll be able to ping in to different servers you won't have to every not everybody will be dot you know be connecting from you know new york to california you know california users will be getting their their streaming content from cloud servers in california in other places around the country so they're hoping in turn that that will also help with 
content and speed exactly so but you know again it's one of those things that google has that not every you know not all these tech companies have Mm -hmm. are those that cloud network spread out to be able to support something like this yeah you know they've done some tests apparently it's working out fairly well so far but again that it's super early you know um again like the apple stuff no pricing information. It's all, this is what's coming. We'll let you know when we know, kind yeah. of thing. So, so. Uh, Switching gears to something that was announced today. Um, they they teased it uh, yesterday. And Lydia, what's going on with Borderlands? So, uh, a couple days ago, they um, released this teaser trailer for just a Borderlands game. It did not give any specifics. Um, it was very kind of bland and... It's a really cool teaser, but there wasn't any information. Um, today at PAX East, they had the Gearbox um, theater panel, basically, and they actually announced and confirmed that the teaser trailer was, in fact, for Borderlands 3. Um, they released a full trailer for the game today. Um, they also, The trailer also says that the game will feature more than a billion guns. What? Some of them with legs. So great, you get to be chased by guns. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, you know that old saying: it's course. not going it, well, to grow legs and rock, walk away. It just <laughs> might <Yeah>. now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So. Ding. <laughs> um, so yeah, we did finally get an official confirmation that Borderlands Three is happening. Um, they still do not have a release date. Uh, they also did not uh, say what platforms the game is going to be released on. Uh, but there is going to be more information coming on the website on April 3rd. Uh, they also, uh, in that panel, uh, said a couple other things that were being re- released sometime in the future. Um, a switch, uh, switch port of Bulletstorm's full clip, uh, Bulletstorm Duke of Switch, so it's a Duke Nukem D- DLC for that, uh, Pathologic 2, Risk of Rain 2, and another Borderlands thing, they teamed up with uh, Nerdvana Games and XYZ Game Labs and made a card game uh, called Tiny Tina's Robot Tea Party. And <laughs> I don't need any more information. <laughs> nope. I'm in. Same. I mean... <laughs> okay, but you do, because... Um, Remember the interview I did with X-Men uh, yeah. uh-huh. a couple of years yeah, 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 I thought that sounded familiar. I, I have um, one of their games called Robot Labs. It's basically you build a robot. What this is is a Borderlands version of that game where the robot you are building is Claptrap. Oh, nice. So they're actually, they're actually selling that at PAX, so if you're there, you can you should get that. But, <laughs> and send it to us. And send it to us so we can play it. We'll play test it. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, so there was all sorts of fun information today. Nice. As far as Borderlands and Gearbox. So cool. So um so I think it was just yesterday. Uh Marvel uh released well, actually it was more like the uh the stars of the Avengers films, uh released character posters uh for, for Endgame. And it was and it was, you know, like cut in half. Everybody who survived and I didn't I, I hadn't heard this phrase before, but the article that I, that I read, um, if you survived the snapture, which I think is just oh, glorious. That's amazing. Right? So if you if, if that character survived the snapture, <laughs> their uh, their poster was in color. 
Mm-hmm. If they did not, it was in black and white. Okay. So with that, we had, um, and of course, like of all the posters that were released, half were in color, half were in black and mm-hmm. white, as as all things should be, um, perfectly balanced. So um, <laughs> with that, we did get a couple of uh, a couple of. Uh, Information. This is going to be kind of spoilery, not really because it was officially released, but at the same time, if you're at the point where you're like wanting to go in as blind as possible, maybe a slight spoiler for the next couple of seconds. Um, so Shuri was in black and white. Valkyrie, who we didn't see at all in Infinity War, uh, was in color, and then it was also announced that she will be in Endgame. So we will see we will see her again. Nice. Um, which was awesome. Um. So yeah, so I was excited about that, and then we did see a couple other color posters, um, and I wasn't for sure if we knew about them, but Happy Hogan and Pepper Potts were also okay. in color, so they okay. also survived the snapture. So, um, like I said, Endgame is just a, a month, it's less than a month away now, and I cannot wait, and this is actually going to start uh, Gut Reaction. I didn't, okay. So I don't know if you saw this, okay. But in the midst of all of the posters, I found I saw this kind of online today that all of the ones that are black and white, and all the ones that are in color. Mm-hmm. There's one poster which has a little different hint to it. Vision. Vision's poster is black and white. Vision died before the snapshot. Well, so did Gamora. Right, but. Apparently, and I didn't get a chance to go double-check this, but towards the bottom of Vision's poster, it's in black and white, except for one very small line of color. Keep going. Right? So, obviously, the internet caught this, and speculation has gone through the roof. Whoever's in their art department who just messed that up is like, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you thought Mark Ruffalo got fired? That person definitely fired. No. Yeah, so, like I said, I didn't get a chance to check that, but that's what was going around the internets today. Alright, um, okay, so, okay, so yep. I, I apologize, so we're, we're, we're looking at it right now. Mm-hmm. There's, there is that little line of color. Mm. Um, man, I, I don't know. I think, I think it's the art department. Okay. Yeah. According, according to the internet, that's the only one that looks like that. I don't know. That's the thing, though. That's the thing with Marvel. Like, they they don't make mistakes like that. Even when you think it's a mistake, it's not it's a mistake. Uh-huh. Exactly. So, um, but keeping along with Endgame, we're going to start Gut Reaction. Um, and, I, and I didn't tell you guys about it, but it's, it's all right. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's okay. I'm just yeah. flying by the seat of our pants. Hi. Usually. <laughs> have, have we met? Um, so... It's still not 100% confirmed, but the rumor is that Endgame will crack the three-hour mark. Um, thumbs up. I don't care how long it is. If it's much longer than three hours, I want an intermission, but I don't care. Give it to me right now. I'm ready for it. Um, Lydia, I know you don't really care, but... I mean, I do care. Well, yes. I don't have much of frame of reference because I'm so freaking far behind. But I think it's awesome that it's going to be that long because... All the more details. So, yeah, absolutely thumbs up. I'm always in for more movie, but I'm like you. Like, I have the world's tiniest bladder, and I don't want to miss anything, so I'm going to have to, like, dehydrate myself all day. <laughs> oh, I'll be like a little raisin. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> I'll just lay in the sun for 
three days. There's no sun. We're in Illinois. Um, <laughs> but I'm thumbs up on the runtime. I'm ready for it. Matt, I, you know, I'm still surprised that they were able to get everything into Infinity War that they did in the time span that that was. So the fact that this has rumored to crack just over three hours doesn't surprise me. All for it because we're going to need as much of this as we can possibly get. So thumbs up. So if Infinity War, I'm sorry, if Endgame rather is the most anticipated film of 2019, uh, we got a trailer for the second most anticipated film of 2019, Dora the Explorer. You know what? I watched it just for the hell of it. I'm giving it a thumb sideways. I'm not saying I'm going to spend money to see this movie, but when you've got people like uh, Michael Pena and Eva Longoria playing Dora's parents, when you've got Danny Trejo playing Boots, and when you have Benicio Del Toro playing Swiper, this movie is going to be weird F. So you know what? (laughs) If I see it on Nickelodeon in three years, I'm probably going to just go ahead and sit and watch it. Lydia. I was trying so hard not to cringe about when we were watching that because I watched Dora with my nieces and nephews for years. I don't even know what to think of this. I am just super confused and I don't know how to feel, so I'm just gonna go thumb sideways and call it a day. Tabitha. I'm going thumbs down. I'm kind of afraid of Dora the Explorer. It's all the addressing <laughs> the audience and like making me answer questions that she already knows the answer to. It kind of pisses me off. So I'm um, I'm out for Dora. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So wait, so fourth wall breaks with Deadpool are okay, but not Dora the Explorer? Because he's not asking me questions he already knows the answers to. <laughs> That's true. All of his questions are rhetorical. And like waiting on like a like a response for me. That's weird. Like I get interactive children's TV. This doesn't, I mean, this looks like geared toward children, but also maybe adults. Like, I don't, that's weird. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I can't, I can't wrap my head around Danny Trejo as boots. Like that's that, the monkey, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Like I just pictured Danny Trejo from Machete and mm-hmm. like <laughs> then I picture then I picture street. boots with a machete. And I'm like, <laughs> this is a thumbs down. I can't. <laughs> well see, that would make it a thumbs up for me. Like, like. <laughs> I, that's where my willing suspension of disbelief stops. <laughs> <laughs> talking monkey, yeah, okay, I can see that. <laughs> Hung talk- upside down in a barn. Nope. <laughs> I was waiting for him to talk in that in that trailer, and he never I did. No, like, mm, I'm scared. <laughs> so, um, we're gonna switch gears here, and uh, hopefully, this next project is something that uh, Danny Trejo is also a part of. Tabitha, let's talk about Tina Fey. <laughs> okay. Um, Tina Fey will be producing Carol Burnett's memoir, Carrie and Me, A Mother-Daughter Love Story, uh, for Focus Features. Um, the book is about Carol Burnett's life and focuses on her relationship with her daughter, Carrie, um, who passed in 2002. But it's Carol Burnett, so it's still full of that classic Carol Burnett mm-hmm. family fun humor, which is just wonderful. Um, I had heard that they were going to be producing this, and it was going to be coming out as a movie. And I was kind of iffy about it because it's somebody portraying someone as classic as Carol Burnett could mm-hmm. go terribly wrong. But they put Tina Fey in charge of this project, and Tina Fey is a huge Carol Burnett fan. Also, she's one of the funniest women in comedy, so I'm going thumbs up. Matt. I mean, I have, I don't know, I definitely have a huge amount of respect for Carol Burnett. And like even the clips of the Carol Burnett show that I you know remember seeing when I was a kid... Um, and I don't have a whole lot of frame of reference as far as Tina Fey goes because I just I never got into Saturday Night Live while she was on it. Mm-hmm. 
or the other things that she's done. Um, I know that she's super well respected as far as both comedy and just like in the entertainment business. So I think putting her behind a project like this is is probably good. So I'll go thumbs up. Yeah, uh, yeah. One of the funniest women in comedy uh, being in charge of a biopic about another one of the funniest women in comedy. I'm in. Thumbs up, Lydia. I think TFA will be very respectful uh-huh. about it and handle it very well. So I think it's, I think it'll be good. So thumbs up. Um, Tablet, we're gonna stick with you and guys and dolls. Oh, okay. <laughs> Flip it. All right. So guys and dolls. It? Huh? And reverse it. Stop it. Because <laughs> my problem is I know what you're referencing, but in my head, all I hear is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> like, stop that. Reverse it. I meant the other way. Like, that's all I'm hearing. Guys and Dolls is getting a reboot from TriStar Pictures. Um, they've picked up the, bro- the Broadway musical to be a new film that's going to be adapted. Um this was adapted in 1955. We had Frank Sinatra, we had Marlon Brando, and we had Gene Simmons, and not the one from Kiss. <laughs> Figured I'd hit I want that one. <laughs> I would watch that one, um, which is one of my favorite classic movies. And I've said this a million times. I'm over the rebooting of the classic things. Like, leave them alone. You're never going to replace Marlon Brando and Frank Sinatra with anybody anywhere ever in the history of time. So, thumbs down. Matt. This is definitely on the list of things that does not need to be rebooted. Whether they try and do a sequel, whether they try and essentially just flat out reboot it, whatever. Guys and Dolls, Grease, there's so many other like classics that are on this list that don't need to be touched. This is definitely on that list. So thumbs down. Um, I'm going to give this a thumb sideways for now with the... Um with the possibility of going thumbs down, um, I want to know more. I, I mean, yes, I, I agree with you. Uh, but at the same time, I'm like, well, I do want to see, like, do they modernize it? Do they try to, you know, like, keep it back in that same mm-hmm. pr- time frame? Who do they cast? It could be okay. Lydia. See, but the okay part of the casting is the reason I'm going to go thumbs down because I do not see them, like Tabitha said, finding anybody that comes anywhere close to those people. And yeah. this is something that just does not need to be touched. So thumbs down. Because in my head, all I see is them casting Zac Efron. And while I love <laughs> Zac Efron, go he, away. Stay out of my guys and dolls. <laughs> so, Lydia, let's talk about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so, uh, Daydalek is going to be making a Lord of the Rings game. But rather than being like the other Lord of the Rings games that we have, it's going to have Gollum as the main focus. Uh, there's not really much information about it. It's possibly going to be released sometime 2021. Um, but it says it's all, Gollum's not much of a fighter, so it's probably going to be like a stealth-based game rather than an in-your-face action thing. I want more details, and I'm hoping to get them sometime soon, because 2021 is a long time <laughs> away from now. But I think this sounds really cool. I like the basically flip take of a Lord of the Rings game because there's quite a few different ones but they all focus on the main group so I am looking forward to more details about this thumbs up Tabitha wow <laughs> I wanted to keep saying Lydia like she's the <laughs> one who just um, I guess my problem with this is all I can see is that it's just like a day in the life of Gollum. Like, you eat some fish, yes. you yell into the, the abyss, you're real upset, you lose a ring. I mean, I do this all anyway. That's, that's your day. Right. I mean, this sounds like a Saturday night to me. So, like, 
He just like I I love Gollum as a character, but I don't know what you do with him like as a video game. I guess is what I'm looking for. Like he can't battle because he's the worst. <laughs> he can't like outsmart you because he's the worst. Like. <laughs> You can't do puzzle games because I mean you can defeat him in like forty five seconds. Like they didn't really. I don't. I don't know how well they thought this through. Is all I'm saying. So thumbs down ish, but maybe sideways because I want to <laughs> oh. see the train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! What if it's like first person and then you get to the end and you have to like die in the fire? Like that would be traumatic. The whole point of the game is just to die. <laughs> I mean, the whole end's just like life, Matt. <laughs> oh, wow. Sorry, anyway. <laughs> that, that was morbid AF, but okay. How do you matter? Right, yeah. Matter After that thought, <laughs> Matt, what's, your, what's your take? What's Tater's precious? Um, I, <laughs> just, I don't know. Like, I, I'm all about exploring different parts of, the, of Middle Earth and the other characters that are there. Because in a lot of ways, to me, Middle Earth is a lot like the Star Wars universe, there's a lot of tertiary characters you run across I want to know more about. I just don't really know, yes, a day in the life of Gollum, how that's going to play out. So I'm going thumb sideways. Um, I don't know why. Maybe it's just because I'm not a gamer, I'm not a Lord of the Rings guy, but a day in the life of Gollum sounds really fun for me. So I'm going to go I'm going thumbs up. Why not? That's awesome. Um, Matt, let's talk about Game of Thrones. As we know, Game of Thrones getting closer and closer to the final season release. In order to promote the final season, HBO has hidden six real-life Iron Thrones around the world. There are, of the six, four have already been found. There are two that have not. Obviously, they each have a theme, uh, their own title. You know, Ice, Joy... Uh, Valeria, North, and Forest, and then there's a sixth mysterious one, which is seen on the website, uh, but is shrouded in mist and has no video to go along with it. So people have done their research. They have found four of the six. There are still two more out there. Kind of superfluous, but still kind of cool. I'm going to go thumbs up because I like the idea of this massive worldwide scavenger hunt. It reminds me of a few years ago, I don't know if you guys remember, but like when Chicago had like cows all around the city, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and then like a year or two later, Springfield was like, hey, we're going to do the same thing, but with Lincoln's hat. <laughs> so yes. it reminds me of that, and because of that, I'm going, I'm giving it a thumbs up. That's awesome. Lydia? I just want to know, is there like, is there a reason for this? Is there some kind of... Marketing. Yeah, just to promote, <laughs> just, to, yeah, just to promote the new season. Yeah. I mean, okay. The final season. That's kind of, like, lame. <laughs> okay, my, my, my point is I feel like if okay there's this specific number okay if everyone finds all of them you get some kind of bonus if they're I, all found yes. George R. R. Martin will finish with them yes something <laughs> <laughs> now let me just call into work for the next two weeks so I can find the rest of these damn thrones <laughs> <laughs> but anyway <laughs> I agree, the, like, scavenger hunt part of it is pretty cool, so thumbs up. Why Dead. are they Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in the Game of Thrones Thrones? Like, <laughs> Game of Thrones Thrones? Game of Thrones Thrones. Like, why are, like, 
who's got the golden ticket? Like, why are we doing this? Like, is a goose just glue gonna like like sit on? Like, I don't, I don't get this. Like, they tried to be cute and they tried to be creative, but come on, HBO, you got enough hype behind this already. You wasting your money at this point. Thumbs down. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> there is video of during a, a panel. I'm not really for sure exactly where this was, but um, Zack Snyder basically was calling people out on people who think that superheroes don't kill and basically saying, uh, yeah, they definitely do kill. Uh, there were a lot of expletives, so I'm not going to give any direct quotes, but, um, but yeah, but like he would say that, you know, people would come up to him and saying, you know, things like, oh, my superhero wouldn't do that. Um, and, you know, going on and on. And he's like, that's cool, but you're living in a blank dream world. Um, I, I'm giving this a thumbs down. Um, I see where Zack Snyder is coming from, you know, like, in the real world, yeah, superheroes, they probably do kill a lot more than, than they do in the comic books, but, I mean, even taking Batman for, you know, for instance, I mean, that's part of his thing in the source material is that I don't kill, and, you know, and it, it's because that's the one thing that separates him from the people that he doesn't kill. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sorry, Zack Snyder, but you are wrong. Lydia. Give me a refresher who Zack Snyder is. Uh, he directed, uh, like, uh, he was a director on Justice League, but then he ended up dropping out for personal reasons, okay. which totally understandable, but, um, also he did Dawn of Justice. Mm-hmm. Did he do Man, Man of Steel? Steel? Was it? I, I think he was Man of Steel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like 96% sure about that one. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Like, I, I feel like it could have been handled a little, like, more politely. But I see where he's coming from, like, there's a lot of superheroes that, yes, they they do, but sometimes you can't help it. That's what you have to do to <laughs> stop the people that are being bad. So I, I get where he's coming from, but it probably could have been handled a little differently. Yeah, yeah I agree with Lydia. Like, he, he was a little extreme in his, like way he approached this but at the same time you have to think all those buildings in all these cities don't fall down without any casualties it's just not how that works you don't iron man and the hulk don't land on the fifth floor of an office building and everybody's like oh i had plenty of time to get out of the way i did not get crushed at my desk today like people die it's what happens um but like you said with batman that is one of the things about batman is he does not kill but you have casualties of war and superheroes are no different so thumb sideways matt yeah i i pretty much have to echo everybody else that there i think they're in general there just could have been a better way to go about this kind of like back we talked about um you know leslie jones response to um you know people you ripping the new ghostbusters for this you know supposed reboot of the old universe like there's ways to talk about these things mm-hmm. with fans and to the fans without essentially degrading them mm-hmm. or making them feel like their opinions are irrelevant irrelevant or dumb taking so heroes. Yeah. yeah so i just think i mean i'm not going to disagree with what he said but i think there could have been a better way to go about it so for that i'm going to go thumbs down uh lydia let's talk about uh kingdom hearts umbrella uh, yeah, so apparently there is now going to be a Kingdom Hearts umbrella. Um, it is, the umbrella itself is like alternating panels of the crown symbol from Kingdom Hearts and um, some art from Kingdom Hearts 1 with a uh, few of the different characters. Um, the handle for the umbrella is the uh, hilt of the Kingdom Key D, which is a 
alternate kingdom key. But anyway, I'm the only one that understands that. Um, <laughs> the, the sheath for the umbrella itself uh, says, May your heart be your guiding key. And while that is all amazing, the umbrella is also $37.99. So as awesome of an umbrella as this is, I'm not spending almost 40 bucks to get an umbrella. So thumb sideways, because it's cool, but ouch. <laughs> Tabitha. Yeah, that's that's an expensive umbrella. I think I I stole my last umbrella, so thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> Matt. I mean, it's still a better deal than that uh, Kingdom Hearts hotel. hotel in Japan. That's true. <laughs> so and you get just to keep it. right, you get to keep this. So as far as collectibles goes, I'm gonna go thumbs up because I think it's a really cool idea. Mm-hmm. I've spent forty dollars mm-hmm. on worse things. Um, also, I don't know the last time I bought an umbrella, so I don't even know how much umbrellas are supposed to cost anyways. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> you lost me for a minute with that price, but I was like, I've I've done that on other things that I don't even use, so oh, sure. See, see, yeah. my, see, my problem is I don't use an umbrella, so to mm-hmm. me, that much money for something that's just going to sit in the corner and collect dust isn't okay. <laughs> Fair. Um, Alright. Let's Gonna skip around a little bit. Alright, uh, Tabitha, what's going on with the New York Public Library? So, museum nerd problems here, but the New York Public Library has launched its first, well, is launching its first permanent exhibit. Um, there have been rotating exhibits in and out of the New York Public Library for years, but in 2020, um, it's going to occupy 6,400 square feet and will include some amazing things. Um, the handwritten draft of Washington's Farewell Address, um, the original original sheet music by Mozart, um, Dickens' copy of A Christmas Carol, where he's like made his notations and things for when he would go on tour, a Gutenberg Bible. Like, Steve? Yes. Steve, <laughs> Steve. Steve Gutenberg's childhood Bible will be on display. There's multiples of them because he actually took it to the movie Multiplicity with him and there's some weird stuff that happened on set. So there's like 50 of them and some of them are worse than the others. And he King James the Bible a couple of times and everything's Wait, wasn't that Wasn't that Michael Keaton? No. Was that Michael Keaton? Yes. <laughs> Guys, the only time I've ever watched that movie, I was not in my right frame of mind. <laughs> and I thought it was the funniest movie that had ever happened to me. And I have thought that was... <laughs> Steve Gutenberg my whole life. Nope, definitely Michael Keaton. <laughs> you changed my life. <laughs> in the worst way. Um, th- these items are currently being housed in storage, but thanks to a $12 million donation from uh, a local New Yorker, they're going to be out. God, that'd be nice. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's not cheap to turn an entire like ballroom into a... Museum exhibit. Here's $12 billion. See what you can do with it. Oh, man. He's got money. Change, right? He's a Polanski. He's got this. I, are we still doing gut reaction? Yes, okay, <laughs> wonderful. Sorry, guys. You've like completely flipped my world upside down. Um, is he not really not Steve Goodberg? <laughs> do we need to Google this? To yes. It to you? I'm, I'm going right. thumbs up because I want to go to this and look at all the things. Matt. Um, I'm also going to go thumbs up. Anytime you can get items like this on public display... Is fantastic, even though I'm jealous of whoever donated this $12 million to get nice. this done. Um, but yeah, again, yeah, just to have these things out to be seen and for the public to learn about, fantastic thumbs up. Yeah. Um, 
Same, yeah, it, I, I really don't have anything else to add to it. Thumbs up, this is amazing, and while I'll probably never get a chance to see it, it'd be really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lydia? I just think it's awesome that somebody that had that kind of, I hate, I hate, to, say, hate to say spare money, but had that <laughs> kind of spare money to just be like, here, here's some money, go put this display up. You don't often see people using their money for this kind of thing, mm-hmm. so I love that that's what it's being used for. Absolutely thumbs up. Um, Matt, we're going to end gut reaction with you and what, um, how somebody raised money from Google and Facebook. (laughs) So you could always just steal the money from Google and Facebook like this guy did. Um, he's, he's a Lithuanian, uh, Evaldus Ramas, I can't, I'm butcher's last name. Ramaskus? Ramaskus. Okay. He's from Lithuania. He managed to steal $99 million from Facebook. And $23 million from Google with a very simple plan. He sent he sent them invoices, fake invoices, for items that they hadn't ordered. Both of the companies ponied up. They paid the invoices. He sent a variety of forged paperwork, including falsified contracts and letters. I, all sorts of even mocked up emails that appeared to come from corporate execs. I mean, it was pretty in-depth, but basically he just sent a bunch of fake invoices to Google and Facebook, and they paid them for a total of $122 million. So, thumbs down to Google and Facebook for not paying enough attention to catch this. Um, I guess thumbs up for the ingenuity of this guy to be able to like pull this off, but... I mean, he did get caught. So, um, so now he's facing charges of wire fraud, aggravated identity theft, and money laundering. And he's agreed to forfeit $50 million. Um, yep, exactly. So, I mean, to be fair. So, so does he get to keep the rest? I don't know. It says he's only forfeiting the 50, 50 million out of the 122. I mean, still, that's... So he still gets... Some, still, the, what the, yep. still a good payday. So I'm going to say thumbs up to his ingenuity. Yeah. Um, same, I have to give him a thumbs down because, come on, dude, like, don't steal, but if you're going to steal like that, I mean, hey, yeah, smart plan. <laughs> thumbs up on that. Lydia. I agree with you. Like, thumbs down on Facebook and Google because how do you not pay enough attention to know, hey, we didn't order this stuff. <laughs> like, what is this? But I can't oh, it must, I can't have been, must have been Jim in accounting. It's always ordering stupid I, I, I stuff that nobody needs. I can't my mind around, like... <laughs> But he still gets, like, what, $70 million out of this if he gets to keep the rest yeah. of that? Like, I, like I, my, I don't know what to do right now, guys. I'm so confused. <laughs> um, I work in banking, and I've seen people fall for way dumber stuff than this. <laughs> so, uh, Google, they, I mean, it was probably, like, an invoice for, like, paper towels or something, and they just didn't pay attention <laughs> because who cares about paper towels? How much money are you spending on paper towels, though? I get the nice paper towels, Lydia. Stop judging me. Um, <laughs> but I feel like this guy had a great plan of action. And he did a great job getting all of this money from all these places. Mm-hmm. But that's not what's going to happen. He's going to go to jail. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But I think he'll be able to afford the bond. Uh-huh. He'll go. To, he'll go to federal prison. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah, That kind of wire fraud. He's going to prison. Yeah, <laughs> probably for the rest of his life. So even if he does have that money, he can get nice stuff at the commissary. I guess <laughs> <laughs> he gets the best ramen noodles. Yes. Chicken flavor. 
So, um, so we've got a we had a chance to read a couple of different things, both from Vault and from Lionforge. Um, we're gonna start with Queen of Bad Dreams. Now, Queen of Bad Dreams is from Vault Comics. It does not come out until uh, April twenty fourth. So, um, <clears throat> so keeping that in mind, like this is this is very much just a preview. Um, just kind of like general thoughts. And I know Tabitha, you got a chance to read it. What were your initial thoughts on this on this book? You guys know I don't like being dropped off in the middle of a world I don't understand. And if I can get to the end of the first issue and they've given me enough backstory for me to care, I'm into it. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's give me the second issue. They didn't do this with me. I didn't get enough backstory, enough detail about the world that I was in. Like, I don't need you to info dump me, but I need you to give me something to hold on to. And like I, like I said earlier, I know you and I were the only ones that got to read this. I don't know if it was my insane amount of antihistamines that I'm on, but I got lost multiple times trying to read this. So I am curious to see where it goes. I wouldn't mind reading the second issue just to see if it does give me more information. But without that, I didn't really care for it. Yeah. Um, I would recommend, though, that uh, once you are feeling better to, to maybe give it a second chance. Uh, because I didn't, like... I, I, I see where you're coming from to a certain extent. Like, I, I was kind of like, at first I was like, okay, well, what's going on here? But um, but I thought that it was it was interesting. It, it didn't give you a ton of information, but it did give you enough. It's it's a really, it's an interesting premise. Um, basically, just the, the cut and dry version of it, as spoiler-free as possible. Basically, um, this is a... The uh, I, I, and you know, I'll just give the uh, the kind of the pitch that they that they gave, and it's like it's the Sandman meets Blade Runner um, with fugitive dreams. So it's basically like what happens when your dreams come to life. You know, um, I thought it was really cool. I thought the um, I thought that the environment and the art was really well done. Um, yeah, I I'm definitely. I'm bummed that we read it as early as we did yeah. because now there's basically now there's a two month wait for issue two, but uh, but still really cool. Um, also, we uh, Friendo number five came out uh, last uh, yesterday, and that is the series finale of Friendo. Um, and man, that was a weird and strange trip. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna go uh, into too much detail, <clears throat> but uh, but yeah, it was it tied. Pretty much everything up, um, open into open interpretation whether or not it's a, a happy or not so happy ending. So um, definitely check out if you've been following along with Friendo, check out number five. Uh, if not, um, I recommend starting at issue one and, and reading the whole thing. It's it's just such a strange trip. <laughs> um, switching over to Lion Forge, um, Quinn Credible came out yesterday as well. Quinn Credible. Quinn Credible number five, um, and I think it's it's set up um, for a new arc very well. And um, one of the things I've really loved about this this title is how it's you know, and, and with other Lion Forge books as well, but this does have a lot of focus on family, um, and it sets up for the next arc very well. But there wasn't like a there wasn't a big cliffhanger for for issue six, and in fact, it even did say the end you know and it's like is this the end of queen credible i hope not you know like this is one of those um this is really man i i keep saying it, that i'm gonna go back and get caught up on catalyst prime but really so far it's just been queen credible and superb that i've really 
done my best to you know to keep on track with <clears throat> but um so i really hope that this isn't the end of the Rebel. i hope to see a lot more of this character um also coming out next week is Sully's number nine um and i've said multiple times how much i love this book <laughs> and i've actually i've missed a couple of issues so i mean so i had to kind of fill in the gaps a little bit uh from time to time with that one which is no fault of the book itself um <clears throat> But that's the thing about Sully's. It's very well, like, self-contained. Like, you, you, I didn't feel lost. I was like, okay, that just happened off screen, you right. know. Um, also, there was, a, at the end of the book, there's a illustrated, you know, like, a story of, like, a real-life, you know, retail... You know, it, it was called Retail Nightmares. Uh-huh. And so something that actually happened to this person at an actual bookstore. And I'm like, oh, man, yep. I worked retail. I, I could share some stories. <sighs> My favorite was uh, when I worked at Borders. I had This, this was kind of like a regular. And uh, she, would, she came in and she was asking. And she was like, um, she was asking for a book. And she was like, yeah, I think the name of it was, uh, I was in love with you when we both had cholera. <laughs> the actual title of the book is Love at the Time of Cholera. You know, it's funny. You should mention it. <laughs> so today on my Facebook memories, which I check every day because I like to know how hilarious I was many years ago. Um, it came up that I happened to be in Barnes & Noble down in Carbondale, and a man walked in and asked the Barnes & Noble employee where he could find Grapes of Wrath, and she directed him to the cooking section. <laughs> I promptly left Barnes & Noble. Like, I just left. Like, I couldn't, so I just left. Barnes & Noble. Barnes & Noble. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. So, all right. So, we're, we're running short on time. Uh, we, a couple more stories that I do want to bring up. Uh, and we're going to start with uh, you, Tabitha. Um, what, what what did NASA do? NASA's been shopping at Old Navy for their uh, spacesuits, evidently. <laughs> so NASA, by no purpose of their own, it was completely a scheduling thing, um, had accidentally scheduled its first all-female spacewalk with astronauts Christina Koch and uh, Anne McLean. It was set to happen on March 29th, so tomorrow. They were going to go out, they were going to change some batteries in some of the solar panels on the International Space Station, and they went to do a practice run, and the plane suit didn't fit. So the, the spacesuits, the current spacesuits, are modular. So the legs, arms, and torso are all different sizes. Mm. You're fitted on Earth, you're sent up with a spacesuit. There obviously are extra parts on board. Um, when she was training and doing her testing, she wore a medium. And, or a large, and it turned out after being in space for so long, your body tends, you know, your body fat decreases. You sometimes get taller, or whatever, because of the gravity. It turns out that her torso section is now a medium versus a large. They have another suit, but they can't just send her out and like, you know, the suit out of the closet that's been chilling in there the entire time they've been up there without doing more test runs. So they've replaced McLean with a male astronaut because it's this space station. There's not a plethora of women floating around up there um so instead of delaying they decided to just put somebody else in carry on um like i said it happened more due to scheduling than on purpose because out of the 233 astronauts who have been on a spacewalk only 13 of them have been women not including the one scheduled for tomorrow um evidently also i found out reading this article that we have a spacesuit shortage nasa has a space suit 
Sorted. <laughs> Say, Say that. that three times fast. God. <laughs> anyway, the suits that are currently being years, used were developed more than 40 years ago. Whoa. And are only supposed to have a lifespan of 15 years. They're cur- NASA is currently working on new space suits. But it's NASA. They're underfunded and, you know, That sounds like a bad idea. Like, bad, like, point at which to be underfunded. Right. That's the place where you don't want to be underfunded. Like, maybe give me less astronaut meals and get me a better suit to float around (laughs) in anti-gravity with. Not a place to cut corners. Right. Maybe maybe a little less tang. Yeah, a little less tang, a little more spacesuit. Because (laughs) I didn't know there was a shortage, but evidently there is. Um... People have been complaining because, you know, NASA canceled the first female. It wasn't on purpose. It just is the way the schedules fell. Um, And they're hoping at some point to make an all-female spacewalk to make up for this. But they got to find suits that fit. And maybe suits that aren't 150 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going into space in a 40-year-old suit. It's just not a thing I'm doing. Because... I like my life. I mean, yeah. I'm not going into space at all because space is scary. Right. But <laughs> well, yeah. so um, in that all female spacewalk um, was was Sigourney Re- Weaver one of the uh, one of the astronauts? <laughs> she was not. She was not there. But that does lead to our last story. <laughs> so, if you ever wanted to see a high school <laughs> stage play version of Alien, that's now a thing. Of course it is. That's so amazing. <laughs> right. So um, it was North Bergen High School in North Bergen, New Jersey. They staged a DIY production of Ridley Scott's Alien. Uh, they homemade the costumes and sets. A lot of the suits and sets were made from recycled materials. Um, the one of the craziest parts about this is there were 15 different sets for this stage play. Wow. Which, for any high school play, 15 sets is insane. Mm-hmm. But when you're doing completely made from scratch recycled materials is even more nuts. Um, they did two performances. There is possibility that they might be doing a third um, as long as, you know, Fox's copyright lawyers decide to continue to pretend yeah, this isn't right. happening. You're right. Which hopefully they do because um, there's a Twitter video out there of one of the parents filming the face hugger scene. It's fantastic. I mean, it's like from a distance and it's kind of blurry, but you know what's going on. And just a high school stage play of Alien, I would... This would be awesome to see. Yeah. I would love to see from beginning to end. Now, what I want to know is, like, whose idea was this? Was this a student who, like, like got bored con- in life and convinced the teacher? Or was it the teacher being like, hey, let's see what we can do? Let's do Alien. <laughs> Somebody was bored in theater department that day, and this is what they decided to come up with. So, fun fact, um, which reminds me of a story in my high school days. Um, my junior year of high school, <clears throat> we um, there was this voluntary like uh, scholarship competition. I say voluntary, but the teacher made us all participate in it because you know it's scholarship. I get it. And so um, the the English teacher uh, was also the the drama teacher. You know the or uh, the. No, it wasn't a teacher because it wasn't a class, but um, the the sponsor. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. So um, 
so so we knew each other really well and what we had to do like we had to do something with Anne Rand's the fountainhead didn't matter what it was it could be just a book report it could be you know whatever so and and you know there is a word count and so what i did i wrote the fountainhead the musical of course you did ding <laughs> <laughs> now now do I get the ding, or yes. does does past Mitch get the ding? No, current Mitch gets the ding for past Mitch's mistakes. <laughs> this is not like a drunk shame. It counts for past, present, future. Fair enough. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. And so once I hit the word count, I, like, made some line about how the author died before his work was completed or whatever. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. I got... And not only was there a, not only was it a scholarship, but we also turned it in for a grade. Um, I got a C on that, but you know what? I was happy with it. <laughs> Forgot an F. You didn't read it. You don't. You don't, I don't know. I don't need to read it, bitch. I can grade it from here. <laughs> I can grade it from two decades away. Part of me still wishes I still had that. I'm really glad you don't. <laughs> so. Shows up in our shows up in our email <laughs> tomorrow night. Look what I found, guys! Along with Lydia's uh, karaoke from. I was about to say, like, I don't, I don't know if she listens, but I know that the teacher in question is a fan of our page. So if she is, if she listens to the podcast, they, I don't know. Maybe she might even still remember it. I don't know. She kept a copy. <laughs> so, that is all the time we have for this episode of the geek awakens uh we'll be back in two weeks but in the meantime we'll be posting news on facebook twitter and instagram throughout the week so be sure to follow us there while you're there give us some feedback and tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on from all of us at the geek awakens thanks for listening and we hope you'll be back everybody say bye bye, bye.